Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the program. My guest today is Spencer Ivy, a successful entrepreneur and owner of Ivy League Fabrication in Spanish Fork, Utah. His team creates some of the most amazing custom metal artwork, gates, railings, and staircases in the state. So strap in for this wild story of trauma, depression, addiction, a failed suicide attempt, and a dedicated climb to the success you see today. All right, welcome, Spencer Ivy. Thanks for joining me, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you uh, sharing this story. It's quite an interesting story of your uh, path down the dark road and, and back. Um, so tell us a little bit about your, you know, after high school, you said you got into some pretty hard drugs. What was, what was the reason you decided to one, get into it? And then we'll talk about, you know, what the choices you, you know, made, what, what, decide, what made you decide to get out and change your life and do the amazing things that you're doing now. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a pretty good, um, I had a really good, my, my father passed away when I was eight and my mom did her very best, me and my two younger brothers to raise us. She was single most of our growing up. Um, but that's essentially where I learned my hard work, but it was still a lot of, of trauma. I think, I mean, going through classes and stuff, I feel like there's a lot that I didn't understand about that past. Um, but in high school, it's just, was really curious. I didn't like the way that my, the way I thought, the way I felt. And as I experimented here and there with different drugs. Well, so, so let me back up the way you thought and felt just, just kind of get your head around not having a dad in the home and just that whole. Right. I think the so. trauma of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just, I don't, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's, because of like, I never admitted that it was a problem. Like, you're just like, oh, well, I don't have a dad. Like, it's whatever. But it was a problem, <laughs> you know. Um, I feel. Was he involved in your life at all? Or um, They were divorced two years. So I didn't see him since I was like six years old. So there's very few memories I have. I just have some distant family at the time. Okay. And I was, but just trying to find out who, you know, who I am and, and, and what it is. And it's just, I was really wild, just it, like experimenting, trying to, you know, figure out how I'm going to live my life. But it kind of led down to uh, um, heroin and, and um, did you start? Right with heroin, or did you, you know, do what quote unquote the gateway drugs like drinking and smoking and? Or... Yeah, I mean, it's like when I when when I say experimented, like it was just like I've tried a lot of different things, you know, um, meth or ecstasy, whatever, just party kind of drugs in different environments. But the one that, you know, it was always pain pills. You know, started with Lortabs and the Percocet. Well, just for. 
just for like fun or social or in, or, or were you in pain? You, you, were they prescribed to you or you, it was just something you wanted to just play with? Yeah, I was just playing. Okay. I mean, it's, I, I never have had any bad surgeries or any, any pain like that, physical pain, but I just like the downers. Like I felt like it numbed me. I didn't like smoking weed or drinking or even some other harder drugs. Like it made me feel like I was out of control, but for some reason, the downers was where I felt most comfortable with myself and downers being what pain pills. And it just made me feel like I can like just made me feel normal, but it wasn't normal, you know, from outside perspective, like it wasn't at all. It's just sort of numb you, but you were still in control. Whereas like alcohol numbs you, but you're out of control. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But just getting into, you know, using a lot of, you know, getting out of high school, then using a lot of pain, pain pills. And then it's just like went to heroin and cause it was cheaper, but then it's not because your tolerance builds, but then it's like, it gets harder and harder because as you, you know, get addicted to, to those alcohol or heroin, you get, you get withdrawals and your body starts hurting. You get really sick and, I was living that life for about three, three and a half years. Were you out of the home at that point? I, I, was, I was going back and forth. And what that means is I was working. So right out of high school, I um, called my grandpa and that's my dad's father that we didn't have. I've only met him like once or twice growing up. Like when I said distant family, that's, what I meant, like they were there, but I've never really, we're never really involved. So I called him and he's like, Hey, I want to get to know you. You know, what, what do you got going on? He goes, Oh, I can get you on a job. So went down to Florida, started working with him. Then he sent me to Louisiana and that work was at a boilers at the paper mills, power plants. So I was working as a boiler maker, rigger, welder. So that's why, where I learned all those trades. So the way that those jobs work is you you go in work seven twelves for three four five six weeks, and then they lay you off, and then you go home, and then you just wait for a phone call. It could be three weeks, it could be six months, and then so at that time I bought a travel trailer and parked it next to my mom's house. So when I left, I would take it, and when I came back and was off work, then I'd stay in the trailer and have my own space. Okay. So, um, just kind of going back and forth. But it's just got, I mean, I think, I mean, my mom knew, you know, it's just her intuition. But there's a, there's a time I, I pretty much came forward and told her that how much pain I was or what I was going through and like how I was feeling and I, that I needed help. So I kind of reached out a little bit. Did she, did she ever like reach out kind of knowing that you might be? troubled by this or was Mm -hmm. she just too much dealing with her own just trying to survive with you three yeah she was just trying to trying just to let me grow up you know give me my space but like i said it's it wasn't extremely obvious because i was working i was doing i was very trying to be productive a functional addict Mm -hmm. as i say were you was it an addiction at this point yes okay yeah it was pretty strong um but I just remember like how much I didn't like it. And it took me probably two years from that point to actually get clean. 
from when I like realized like, I, Hey, I have a problem that's out of control to like accepting, you know, to move on. And the struggle of going through that was, um, going in, enrolling into an outpatient program. Um, I got on what they call Suboxone. That's a, um, a good way to taper off of, of, of medicine. It's like a synthetic heroin because when you, like I said, if you just stop using it, then you get withdrawals, you get really sick. So if you get on Suboxone, it's controlled and then the doctor can taper you off. Kind of like a nic- nicotine patch for yeah, heroin. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And actually it's supposed to help you quit smoking too. Oh, good. And alcohol. <laughs> so did it? Yeah. Okay. So um I I did that. I was off of that in three months because when I when I went into treatment, like I really wanted to try. And so within three months, um, I was able to get off of that. And then I got on a, a, a shot. It's called Vivitrol. And this was a really big shot that you get in your butt once a month. And this is an opiate blocker so that you get the shot in your butt. And for the next 30 days, you're, you pretty much, if you use drugs, like it's useless, like this drug will like surround those, um, all the 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 receptors. Yeah. All the receptors and, and everything that has to do with in that part of your brain where it just kind of blocks it out. And at this point, this is an interesting point. I don't, I, I, I still don't know what happened, but I, I believe they didn't let me, I didn't get off of, there wasn't a, a long enough time frame from when the last time I took Suboxone to when I got that shot, because it will make you really, really sick. I've heard that too. Yeah. And that didn't happen. I don't think that time was given because when I got the shot, I was, I was feeling fine. And then the next day I felt really, really bad, like puking, super dizzy. Like I couldn't get out of bed, called them like, Hey, and she's like, Oh, it'll be better tomorrow. Next day was the same thing. I believe it was four days later, like the same, like feeling sick that I just had enough. So I went to the, the emergency room. And they're just like, well, we don't, you can't do anything. Like you just got to write it out. You got to write it out. So they thought it was a good idea to give me Xanax. So (laughs) I'm like in all this pain, like I just barely got clean. I'm like three and a half months clean, you know? So I took the whole bottle of Xanax. I had some sleeping medicine that there was, that they gave me. So I took all these pills and all this. And the only thing I remember, I was cutting nachos and then I just decided I didn't like myself anymore. So I cut my arm and I had over 170 stitches. Wow. And my friend who was supposed to come over, but we didn't really confirm a time happened to come over not too long after I did that. And she pretty much saved my life because I was like almost bled out by the time she found me. And you were, you were, there was no one else with you. Mm Mm-mm. I was just alone in my apartment. And you took, like you said, you took the the Xanax, like you took a whole bottle in one. Well, yeah, like it was probably maybe 14 pills or something. Like it's just like a small little, oh, okay. maybe even seven of them. But enough that it but, yeah. messed up your thinking. Yeah, and then on top of feeling sick and that, and it was just, it was just a bad mess. So then. So when you were cutting yourself, did you feel that? I don't think so. 
I don't remember. I don't remember very much. It's just I just was like I'm I'm sick of this. Like I just can't take how much pain I'm in right now. Like I tried to get better. It's so that was working. a legit suicide attempt. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and so I was just I was just passed out on the. The ironic thing is, I think I, I, I she found me in the bathtub because I did it in the kitchen and then I went to the bathtub just to bleed out because I was like, I don't want to make a mess. So, like, I don't know why. It's <laughs> very that's, kind of you. Yeah, but that's where she found me. And so she, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just kind of weird. Like I said, it was just spacey right there. But so how long after you went into the, do you, I mean, did she say, or do you know how long you were in there before she came in? Um, you? I don't know. Was this in your trailer? No. At, at this point, um, I had barely moved. I moved. I, I moved out, and I and I got a and I was working locally, so I had an apartment. Okay. Um, I think I sold the trailer to get into that apartment. Is what happened. And I wanted to stay local because I wanted to get clean, right? Not bounce around. Um. But once, once, you know, that happened, the doctor, and once you have an attempt like that, they, um, put you in the medical center where they watch you. Oh, like a, like an isolate or not an isolation, but yeah, just a, like one of the 72 hour. Yeah. They time. came in there for a week though. Okay. <laughs> they wouldn't hey, let me go. Look at you, you overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I actually learned a lot there. Um, uh, and it was it was a, a very good experience. You know, I learned. I mean, obviously that I didn't want to die, and I learned a lot of things. They had some some classes, um, some groups, and it's just I learned my favorite quote there, um, which talked about vulnerability. But that just kind of set it up to help me like realize like. I had you had you vulnerability is a strength to put yourself out there to try. Oh, it totally is. And it's not, it's not, that's not how I feel like it's been portrayed in society. Like vulnerability is weak. Oh yeah. You're soft. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's, but it's not it's the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. And coming out of that, I, I, you know, I was, I was pretty, pretty dedicated to sobriety. So that kind of went on. Um, that was going good for about six, seven months. And then, um, I did have a relapse and this was a, this was caused by it. The, the funny thing with relapse, everyone's like, Oh, well, they just must've had a bad day. It's not yeah, like triggers or something. Yeah. It's not, that's not, can't speak for everyone, but from my experience, it didn't happen just over in one day. It was multiple things stacking up that made it seem like it was actually falling apart. Um, you know, friend relationships um, falling up, you know, ending. Like I had to lose a lot of friends, you know, to, to get clean. And I had to, um, I think that by that point, my lease was up. So I, I got out of the apartment and there's a lot of things were being taken away from me that I wasn't realizing. So it felt like I was backtracking, but it was just things changing. And so as far as getting clean, being stable and st having that stability and support is like really important. 
So the friends that you lost, were they good friends or friends that you were in the drug community? Yeah. Were- um, I had a very, very small circle. These are just friends that were just going through the same thing. Okay. I mean, we didn't even share the same drug of choice, if you will. Um, it was just they were struggling with theirs and mine. It's just, and it's hard to talk. I didn't like opening up and, and talking like that. Cause I felt like it could be a trigger. Um, I like to hide and be quiet and, you know, try to work it out differently. But um, I did enjoy going to groups. I went to groups two times a week. I mean, every single time my mom was, you know, had my back oh, the whole entire time. Um, uh, between this time and that relapse, that my that relapse, that would have been my third DUI that I gotten with a metabolite. Metabolite is um, so it's not alcohol; it's just in your system. Okay. So it could be prescription drugs. I mean, if you're not fit to drive, a cop's going to know that. Yeah. And then once they deem you unfit to drive, then they take you out of the station, do a drug tests. Right. And that's where it showed positive for opiates. Um, so I didn't have a license throughout all of that, but my mom was really, um, really helpful trying to get me to group and to do that. Um, but that was the last straw that, that DUI was the last straw cause I was actually in her car. And how old were you at this point? I was 24. Okay. Yeah. I was about 24. No, my last one, that was, in, that was I was 23. I was, I was 23 and that, that was it for her. So she kind of. So you're kind of into this lifestyle about five years now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then I moved in with my grandma, which was just around the block. And she was just like, I'd never give up on you. You know, mom had had it though. Yeah. I, kinda... I burned her so many times. Like it's, she did the best mm-hmm. that she could looking back. Like I, I don't know how she did it. Um, I, I do. Cause I, you know, being a parent and now you're, you know, you're a parent as well. Yeah. You would, you would move heaven and earth to help your kids, even though they're making bad choices, you still would. Right. Mom's more than dads. I think dads are like, whatever, there's a street. Yeah. Yeah. And so moved in with grandma, then there's just from, from her support and she's, just, yeah, I don't know, she's the sweetest, but, um, that that's kind of when I was just like, Hey, I can't lose anything else. So, um, grandma was always there. I ended up, um, getting a job. I went in for a welding job and I did really well. And he goes, okay, you can start tomorrow. And then I was like, okay, I can start tomorrow, but I need you to do me a favor. He goes, why is that? I said, I need you to hire my brother too, because he has the car and the driver's license. And he goes, or what? I was like, or else I'm not going to work here. And I turned, grabbed my stuff and walked away. And he goes, okay, I'll do it. And I, every single day, busted my ass for that guy. <laughs> yeah. He gave me he gave me that chance. And he hired my brother, even though they didn't even need him. They just put him in the forklift to move all the steel beams around. So he was able to take me back and forth to work. And so, like, really trying really hard to, you know, follow the law. You know, I'm not supposed to drive. I'm trying to get out of trouble at this point. Yeah. Working super hard. And it's just trying to just net get one thing accomplished. You know, the first one was obviously stay out of jail, you know, so quit breaking the law and doing dumb things. The next is paying the, the lawyer fees, the 
the, the court fines and paying anybody back that I had um, owed money to. I mean, I took out, I mean, I have had some pretty big paychecks working on the boiler. So I go down to check city and pull out a couple grand, you know, had those. So it took me two years after in garnishments because I didn't, I refused to file bankruptcy. I was like, I'm going to pay all this off. Like, I'm not going to have that on my record. So they just garnished all my wages for almost two years. Right. Okay. And um, just one thing after the next. And, and it just, I felt better and better after I accomplished every, every goal that I had. Um, you have what they call personal responsibility. <laughs> it's kind of a lost thing now yeah. nowadays, but it sounds like you had it then and yeah. you still do. Yeah. It's rare, but, but it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I had to, I didn't, there wasn't anything else to do. I had already lost every, you know, I've already felt like I hit rock bottom. There wasn't, and all you had was your integrity mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. Which wasn't very much because of where I was. I mean, I was just a drug, I mean, I'm just a druggie, but you know, and didn't have anything. I didn't even, I, I finished high school, but I passed my last test. So I actually didn't even get a diploma. So that was one of the goals that come a little bit after that. Um, I went in and it got my G, uh, GED and then it immediately rolled into to college to take some classes. And it was at that point when I realized and, it, and, and then about then I was about a year clean. So that's that's statistically kind of where your brain has been long, long enough to, to heal. And okay. so you're starting to get, you know, a lot more cognitive thought. You can think things out. You're feeling, you've worked through a lot of your emotions, dealing with a lot of emotions, coping. And when I went in, I, I finished the first semester. I took uh, 12 credits and worked full time. Like that was a lot. And I got 3.9 GPA. And I was like, I'm actually not a big dummy. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. And so I just set a goal. I was like, Hey, if I'm going to go to school, I just need a four year degree. And then I'm going to take, and then I'm going to law school. And if I'm going to a law school, I'm going to an Ivy league school. And I had my eye on Columbia in New York. I wanted to see the city. I wanted to be in the hustle and bustle. Like that's <laughs> where yeah, I had some lofty goal. Yeah. And, but like it all started, you know, because at that point I was, you know, no, you can't drive because you had DUI. No, you can't get an apartment because you, you know, lost, you didn't pay rent or no, you can't get by a car. No, you can't get a credit card because you did this. It's always my bad decisions that ruin the future for me. And I was so sick of being told no because of something I had done. So I started, my mindset started changing. What can I work for tomorrow? And did all this just come to you or did you have people in your life that were trying to kind of coach you or mentor you or guide you or is this just you coming up with these ideas? I had a lot of indirect influence. Like I didn't have, like you said, like, like you know, coaching at this, at this point or whatever. I mean, I was going to group, you know, my mom started seeing okay. me you know, doing better, working with my brother. So that relationship was starting to, you know, grow again and, and, um, heal. Um, grandma was super happy and proud, you know, so there's just, 
as it's going, I'm seeing as I'm working harder and staying sober and not doing dumb things that it's just like things are working out for me. Yeah, you know, you're having are, like clarity and yes, visions that, yeah. that normally would be clouded from mm -hmm. your drug use. And I just tried to do anything, anything that I would normally do, like irrationally, like I just would stop myself and make myself think about decisions because I was very impulse. Like I wanted things now, like that's, that's just, I think that's just the addict personality is just you want to feel good now and that's it doesn't matter no matter what at any no cost yeah and i mean i i still am like that you know but it i've learned kind of the investor attitude where it's just you know work now and and get the payoff later and that discipline self-discipline there you go again yeah wow <laughs> all these things you're bringing up these new concepts right right and so we're just um, working, doing that, what, what, enrolled in school. So I did a, another semester. Um, at this point, I'm super excited, doing really good. And But then it's just like, okay, well, student student loans. What am I, how am I going to do this? So I, you know, went to work because at this point, I've, I've been there working for two years and I've gotten a, over $4 in raises. Like I was working really good for these guys. And, but I was making 50 cents less than their head guy that's been there for 22 years. And I'm just like, okay, well, there's not a lot of room to grow in the shop. So yeah. how else do I grow? You know, in the four year time that I'm waiting to go to law school, because I wanted to, to get in like a business degree or construction management, something like that. So I went to uh, the owner and I said, Hey, I'm going to school. I want to work my way into the office you know, what, what can I do to get, you know, out of the shop into an office position, something where I'm running projects rather than building them. And he, you know, I told him that I was going to school. And so we ended up, he ended up splitting with me paying half of my tuition if I got more than uh, better grades than a B. And I was, I was getting all A's and A minuses. So he helped me out for about six months. So almost two semesters. Um, but it was getting really hard at that point because school was going so well and I had all these big goals and ambition. And then I'd have to like go to work, like in the shop with all these guys that didn't have the, these bigger goals, that <clears throat> different mindsets, me, different mindsets They make fun of me for wanting to be a lawyer or don't think that I can do it. And it's, so I, I do believe that my work performance, um, went down a little bit. I was more focused on school. And so then the, the asshole boss then came out, you know, like he was, he would always, I would, he would always yell at all the other guys, but it kind of left me and a couple other guys alone, the ones that were working really good. But as my work kind of went down, he started chirping at me. And there's just one time it came around the corner asking him for something. And then he just grabbed me by my collar and then just screamed in my face. And I was like, I'm done. So I just packed my tools and I quit. It's like, I'm going to back up a little bit because like, it's like you elevated yourself above that mentality because that's, that's such a human nature thing to do when you're all in a group, everyone's kind of the same level. If someone tries to better themselves, those who 
know they should probably or know they should be or could be doing better, but aren't willing to put in the work. Right. Feel ashamed or jealous. So they want to bring you back down to that level. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a thing called, you know, the crabs in the bucket. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Whereas one tries to crawl out and then, you know, re, the other ones will just by nature will try to bring him back down in. Right. You know, either mockery or making fun of you or even people, family trying to quote unquote protect you. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, just be, can't you just be happy with where you are? And, and they're trying to protect you, but it's, doesn't it doesn't help you at all it's just an interesting mentality it's weird how we do that but you know yeah. i've done it before where i've wished someone that was doing better than me wouldn't because right. it was threatening my mm-hmm. security my insecurities interesting so all right because so you 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 left that i assume that job after mm-hmm. yeah so <clears throat> i left that job and then this point um it was it was about a no when when if I were to go back six months, I finished the first semester doing really good. I think that was that was the the complete re- restored relationship with my parents. Um, uh, at the, by this time, my mom has been remarried. He's kind of been in this for about three three years. The step uh, stepdad. Yes. Okay. And um, so. After I finished, you know, school or that first semester, she, um, we were talking about getting another car, uh, talking about getting me a car. Obviously, at this time, I still couldn't drive. So I went in and we put it under my name and, and um, Adam, my stepdad, uh, co-signed with me. And so we just, uh, we went and bought a new car. And so I had work in making the payments, but they can drive me around in my car. So it's not putting miles on theirs, whatever. Um and they wouldn't let me drive it. I was paying for a car I could drive. <laughs> that was really hard. Yeah. So I mean, they're just trying to protect you know me and my you know long term goals of of trying not to get in any more trouble. How long did you have your license suspended? Um, total, eleven years. Dude, that's a lifetime. Yeah. I eleven years. That's... I I got it back a year ago. Just a year ago. I just barely got my license a year ago. Holy cow. And you're how old now? I'm, I just turned 29. Wow. Why? That's a, that seems really excessive. 11 years. Yeah. But I it was mean, the third time, though. Yeah. But it, it's it wasn't just those. Like, I mean, yes, you, you have the DUI, but any time you get caught driving after that, it the, the punishment's enhanced because it was from a DUI. Right. So anytime I'm pulled over, running a stop sign, not yielding, not using your blinker, anything. It could be, um, so uh, the the last time I actually got a ticket was, I was, it was two and a half hours north from where my shop was. I had an employee at a house. It was 1030 at night. And he knew that we were going to be working late because we were so far away. It was a special kind of night. I told my employee, I was like, hey, I'm going to run down to Home Depot. I'm going to go grab these things. You stay busy you know buttoning up what we got to do and i was driving my work truck um back to the uh, went to home depot and i was going back to the house cop pulled me over for no mud flaps but i had mud flaps he walked up and and said i'm checking for duis but i pulled you over for no mud flaps and so i told him you know i was like well this is the only thing i got and i handed him my id and Showed him my, 
you know, registration on a brand new truck mm-hmm. and uh, commercial insurance. I pay over $1,200 a month in insurance, <laughs> you know, like all these things. And then he's like, no, oh, you're not supposed to be driving. I'm going to tow your truck. I was like, dude, I literally have a two hour drive home. I got an employee out there. And he goes, well, I'm just going to go down the street, but here's your ticket. So he didn't tow my truck, but he did give me a ticket. So that's like kind of the overall thing with that. But that's, they were just trying to, to protect me from, from getting in, getting those tickets. Right. And, and every time you get pulled over, it's another, they add another year. It's not a couple months. Like if you get too many speeding tickets or it's like, Oh, well 90 days. I was like, I wish. Yeah. Cause you're, how long have you had your business that you're, that you're now running? This is my fifth year. Fifth year. So you've had four years of that and you didn't have a license. Mm-hmm. That must be tough. It was. I, I mean, it's just every single, well, the, this is, you know, doing really good, pulling myself out of it. It was clean, you know. So this is where, when I started the company, well, started working towards that was 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 right after I quit this job because I had I had those those charges and and one of them was uh, a pending um, felony for, for the the third DUI is a felony but I needed to finish my probation and that was a two year thing so once I finished probation then they did a 402 reduction down to a misdemeanor so I couldn't get a job anywhere making decent money with a felony with a felony i had five different i went i think i went to 11 different interviews and i was hired five times but they all had background checks and they had to deny me i mean i i went in in this interview talked to a guy he had all of the he had had the same books that i've read we went in there and the interview was like two hours talking about books and he loved me and he's like hey i want you to work for my firm this and this i was like okay Here's the caveat. I have this. This is going to hinder the position. And he goes, dude, you're going to have to call me back. <laughs> you know, like it, it was so, it was, it was so discouraging. It's almost like you're here. You are trying, I mean, the, the whole correctional system, you know, we have and all these, it's, it seems like you're penalized for trying to better yourself. Right. But everybody's so different and you know from outside perspective like you can't go in case by case like you would you would hope that they could and it does need to change but there's not a lot of people that are trying to change they're just trying not to get caught right you know still doing it it's just over and over and over again but okay you know so just trying to get those and at that point I did have a buddy who who just started his. He started a, his own company. Well, let's let's back up a little bit. So you you left this job. You were a welder. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then like, and is that when you started your current company, Ivy League Fabrication? Yeah. So it was a little, just a little after that because my buddy he had a com- he had a, a company that he just barely started. He worked for a property management company, and then he just he he quit and then started his own handyman service for comp- those property management companies. So he would just go to a property management company at an apartment complex and be like, hey, I'll take your guys' trash out of the dumpster or take it to the road or whatever for 500 bucks a week. I'll change the light bulb, 50 bucks a light bulb. 
So he's just, you know, when you don't have any overhead, like that's really good money. Like he was yeah. doing pretty good. He was, I could use some help. So he hired me under the table, like eight bucks an hour, you know, just so I could be working, doing something, you know, while I was still going to school. And, um, I went in and he's just like, well, go talk to them. Go talk to the, the, the guy about if they need any metal work done. Cause you can do that. Right. It's like, yeah, but I don't have any equipment. And he goes, well, go buy some and then go talk to him. So I used my last check um, to go buy a welding machine. And then I went in and he gave me one little job. It was up on a super high up tall apartment complex. There was this railing that was rusting out. I think it was like a four inch piece that was rusted. I took my little welder in my car. Oh, at this point I decided I have to drive. So you're still, <laughs> still risking it. So at, at this point I was just like, I, I don't have a choice. Like I... I, I can't find a job. And so it was kind of one of those moments where my parents kind of grit my teeth, but they just kind of yeah, you had, trust, you, trusted you had me. And um, so I, I remember packing this little welder up in this car and it was such a pain to get it up there. And I did this little job and there's like, hey, we have another one. And then I got on Facebook and asked the neighbors. So I think I had two or three kind of inquiries of metal work. And I was like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Went in. I was, I was like, Hey, I need a, I need a truck. That's what I need. So I took that car. It was a, it was a brand new car and went in without my stepdad knowing I traded it for a blue truck, 1500 Dodge Ram. And, <laughs> um, I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to make these payments. Like, cause it's like twice as much as the car. But I was like, I'm gonna figure it out. Like this, it's like the leap and leap in the net will appear. Yeah, kind of a faith thing. Yeah, and it was r- right after that when uh, I was having some some problems in my math class because I'm still going to school at this time, and um, I was waiting for the professor to get out of a class so I could talk to her about some homework. As I'm sitting there waiting, I'm looking, and I see a poster advertising Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you know who he is? Yes, I do. And he was coming to do like a little talk like he does at UVU at the college. So I was like, dude, I have to go to that. So I I saw the time and then I was like, hey, I'm going to be there. And I was a student. So they say show up at 8, show up at 10. You know, you be there, you be ready. I had my backpack, notepad, like I was about to get it. But I didn't realize it was a two-day thing and he spoke last. Uh, But no one else was there. Like there was like five people in this huge auditorium because they didn't, this is when I realized people are full of themselves. They just want to hear, you know, the big guys, but they didn't hear everyone leading up to it anyway. So the first 15 people that walked into that room, the people who sponsored it was entrepreneur simplified and they are a, uh, business consulting firm. Pretty much. They help small businesses or big businesses, learn to generate more revenue, to just solve problems, whatever. Um, and there's like, hey, well, the first 15 people get to uh, come do our three-day course. And there, it, that was 10 hours a day. It was 30 hours uh, to do. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, since I'm, you know, st- starting to think about doing my own little thing, I like, could be cool to go to. So finished the 
what are they called? The seminar. The, yeah. yeah. So, so they, they, we, we finished. Yeah, yeah. Like after we finished the seminar, um, it was like the following week I went to this, to this other course and it was like, it was no joke. Like they, they fed us breakfast, lunch and dinner. Like it was 10 hours. They, when you went in there, took your shoes off and just brainstorm. Like they just crammed business down my throat. And it was really, I mean, in some ways it was a big, huge sales pitch, but it was super motivating to me. And it really like was vibing really well. And at the end of that um, meeting, they were just, okay, well, you can do it or you can't. But for a year-long services, 12 months of services is $27,000. Oh, well, that's coaching. And that's, that's a hefty, that's a hefty, that's a really hefty fee. Yeah. And so I'm just like, <clears throat> I don't have anything else to lose. They've, I've, I, I literally don't. I live at my grandma's. Like I could lose the truck, but what it, what is this? Like I don't know what else to do. So they're just like, okay, hey, you have to come up with some sort of deposit, and then we can let you make monthly payments. It's two thousand dollars a month, and I'm working for myself. <laughs> That's motivation. With my, you know, new truck payment, I was like eight hundred bucks, and I'm just like okay, well, how do I get that? They said, well, you've been working with your bank with your, you know, your, your new business. I was like, well, I don't think, I don't, I, I don't even know if I had my bank account set up through my business. I just had a bank account. So I called them and that was the first time I got a credit card. Oh, the first time after going through all of my problems I, I you know had banks trust me again <laughs> yeah you know so i think they gave me three thousand dollars credit went gave the deposit signed the contract i'm doing this every week we had phone meetings every month we had phone meetings and then they had two other um three-day uh, meetings uh that they did um programs and it's just really put me in the mindset of starting business, maybe really start thinking about it. And so, you know, coming up with the name, my last name's Ivy, spelt different than uh, Ivy League school, but that's where kind of what I wanted to do with the lawyer, you know, I wanted to go to Ivy League school. So talking to my cousin one night, he goes, what did you do it? I was like, it's just Ivy League fabrication. We just do, you know, cause I'm learning, like you don't want to like limit yourself on what you do in the name but you have to express like, you know, what you do is like just fabrication in general, just Ivy League. And it just stuck. Like that was like the first name I thought of and I loved it. So it's awesome. <laughs> so that's, that's where, well, that's where that started. And then just working with still like every, every little while getting little fabrication jobs from these property management companies that my buddy's been has good connections with. Yeah, but most of the time right now during this point, I have to obviously make all these payments. Um, so I was up there. I remember the one fall that it was the fall time. He asked me to come up and help him. We went to probably six different apartment complexes with a, a power washer, and we just blew out all of the the rain the rain gutters, cleaned them all out. I was like, I'm supposed to be doing metal fabrication. Like I'm supposed to be cool, not up here blowing out these. <laughs> You know, custodial for, work. Yeah. But it's like I did anything I could to make sure I got those payments. And these uh, 
classes in these meetings, I'm just, you know, kind of, you know, telling them where I'm at. And so they're kind of introducing me to different ideas. And it's like, well, what about lead generators? What about a website? Have you thought about these things? Um, and so started with the website and worked on that. It went to Wix and was just um, designed something. I had to use other people's photos. And I said, I can build stuff like this. Because like I'm not claiming that I did this, but I can build things you like didn't this. Have a portfolio yet? Yeah, at all. Um, and then uh, it was Thumbtack and Facebook. Thumbtack's a, another lead generator that I got on, and all the contractors. And then that's where it kind of took off. Like it's I got a I got one job. I think I charged like five thousand dollars for just because I had to price the material and some labor and this and. I probably went to that house 30 times because <laughs> just building and they wanted a, a handrail in their house and just I had to make it perfect. So just a lot of learning curves on that first one. But then once I got that first picture, just promoted it. And that's just everyone wanted handrail after that and just added it, you know, into the website and more portfolios and treated customers really well and and really listened to what they what the customer told me before they hired me. There you go with your integrity thing again. <laughs> you listen to customers. Weird concept, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and because I wanted to be different than the other fabricators. Like I was like if I'm going to do this, I know I have to be different. You either have to be really unique or if you're, you know, or and, and really good at what you do, but you have to you have to find that niche like you and they're just like, well, they don't answer my calls, and they just blow me off. And that is, I've I've searched for a metal guy for six months, you know, and it's all these things. So like calling all the time, keeping them updates. But it was just me at this time, so I could turn and burn right now. Like just one job, you know, just two weeks done. Right. Um. But it just grew really fast. So then, um, was just looking for uh. I was just in my grandma's garage, just welding. Like the breaker would trip all the time. Like I didn't even know like to wire two twenty. Like I, li- I was just in the one ten outlet. That's how small of a welder I had. Yeah. Like barely making it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one day my grandma was just like, "Well, what about the baskets?" I was like, "Well, what about them?" There's like, you know that little barn out there, and they were a really old couple. And I'm just like, they're in their seventies. Like I can definitely see them not using that so my chances are pretty good that they might let me let me do it so i walk over there knock on the door and they're just like yeah we you know we know of you and um so he's like yeah yeah you can go out with ron help him clean it out and he'll so so what what were you going there for sorry i I lost that sorry yeah so i was looking for a bigger space to work work. okay yeah because it was like the garage like because the garage is only 16 feet deep but length of materials twenty. Okay. So I any brand new material I got, I had to cut down or put in an angle or just wouldn't it wouldn't even fit in the garage. And so it was like super difficult to work around and work in and and so I uh was looking and that's when my grandma brought up the baskets. Uh went there, opened up the bay door, and the thing is just slant packed full, like super tall like just everything just so much junk in there and we spent the next couple hours 
pulling out a corner and he gave me, I measured it exactly because I needed to have the room. It was tall enough to have the material standing up, but just enough room to build a railing. It was a 10 by 10 square that I had like cleaned up for myself. So I had a little bit of material that he helped me get in there. And and that's, I just would, would build, build all night and sell all day. And I did that for by myself for about a year and a half. I was working 17 to 22 hours a day. Like, um, after once I got into that shop, once I moved in and, and finally started seeing more revenue, I had to make a decision. And that was, what do I do with school? And I thought school will always be there, but the opportunity to start a business when I'm this young won't be. Yep. So, I decided, so I withdrew from, from school when, right before I could get my associates, but um, I withdrew and just decided to focus on trying to build this business um, full-time. And so all day just driving around, selling, trying to meet new people, talking to them, um, and then at night I would just build and just work super late, building whatever jobs I could get and just trying to be as honest as I could time frame budget money and every every penny that I had I just bought more and more tools I get just it was really hard because even they're not going to be happy about this but like I would use a I would have to go to Home Depot buy a $50 tool use it for three hours and I'd go back and return it because I didn't have money to keep it <laughs> like I just rented just it. Kind of rented it. <laughs> yeah, I just rented tools, and I just didn't didn't have it. And so, um, but it it just it just compounded, and it's just so so satisfying that you know I would work really hard one month, and then I would start seeing that it's paying off. Like I would literally feel the growth the following month, and the harder I worked the more I got out of it. And it was really satisfying to feel that. And and so at this point, I got a lot of interest in from other friends and family. Like, what are you doing? How are you doing? And, you know, I was just like, I just need help. I need help. So I'd call my brothers. We'd fight and we'd argue and we'd scream and try to get through it. Had a couple buddies refer some friends that were looking for work and didn't work out. They'd come in. And just blow me off. Didn't feel like it was a real job. Because in this little barn, like, there was no water. I didn't have running water. And uh, I remember we went to, we had one of these seminars. And, and, and this guy talked from this consulting uh, coaching firm. Um, so at this point, you're still doing that? Yeah. Okay. And he's just... Uh, one of the instructors was told the story about like a long time ago Cortez uh, had his army and he was a conqueror and he went and conquered a bunch of lands you know all these countries and there was one that he hadn't yet but it was across the, the ocean and he got his troops all amped up like hey let's go we're gonna do this so he got his armies and his horses and and everything Got them all ready to go. His huge army, and they got in their their big ships, and they sailed, and they sailed, and they sailed, and they sailed, and they finally got there. Cortez goes to the top of the hill, 
watches guys. They're dragging their feet. They're moping. They're grinding. It's been a long journey. The captain comes up and says, the guys just want to go back. They're too tired. They're, they're, there's no way. And he just looks at him and says, burn the boats. Yes, burn the boats. I thought that was the burn the boat story. Yeah. Burn the boats. Don't give yourself an out. And he goes, what? Why? He goes, because we're going to take their boats back. And that's, I told that story to my buddy and he quit his job. <laughs> so he came and helped me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just like, dude, we have no, nothing else to lose. Just just quit doing it. Like, I mean, because he's helping. He just was so like wanted to be there for me and wanted to be part of it. And uh, that's, you know, so he came in, in. So he stayed and we were working and um i th- had i think one of my one of my brothers was working for me at a time and i was w- looking for one more um and so i did uh and then on indeed i was looking for wellers and i had a bunch of guys come in and interview and one guy quit his job making way more money than i could afford to pay him and he just kind of gave it a shot and just like i'm just going to come work like this is kind of cool what you got going right. on so I finally got some workers. So I went and I got online and I looked at Honey Bucket, the Port of John. Yes. So I had him deliver a Honey Bucket. I had a Honey Bucket at that shop for two years. <laughs> Clean toilet. And then I went and bought like a little hand washing station that you could fill up with the hose. And then you pump it like it can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I had that little hand. I, I did everything I could to make it as normal as possible. But these guys like... You know, at the time they really had my back, and they're just like, "We're gonna make this work." You know, and so at that point, I realized like I I have to have employees, I have to treat them right, and th- having that good morale and that good uh, work environment is, is is like key to success for my company right now. And it's just grew and grew and grew, and. Just bought more and more equipment. Went from one welder to three welders, and it's just nonstop growth for two solid years. And uh, then they started doing more developing in that area, and they were gonna. The city was gonna build this huge road right right in front of the house. So I started looking around for some shops, and at this time I I was just like really comfortable. Not. I won't say that. I've never been comfortable, but I was very okay with not working so much. So I wanted to have a social life. So I started, and you know, in having looking for a family, like that's what I my next goal was. Like I have a going business, like I can make some money, but like now I want a girlfriend. You know, I want a family. So I started dating. Um, met this cute girl down in Spanish Fork. And I was hanging out down with her one day and I'm just trying to work and trying to find like any other places that I could possibly afford um, to move in uh, to work because like that, that access for all the trailers and stuff, like it wasn't just, it wasn't going to work. Um, so I found this place that was down in Spanish Fork that had a really big parking lot, which was going for the same rate as up in Salt Lake where I was originally looking for I mean it was the same rate but it had way more to it. So I was like, "Hey, well, I'll do that. They want a $7,000 deposit." 
So I saved up like that next month and I just, again, like that, that, that plays in my head almost all the time, (laughs) burn the boats. And it's just like, I always just jump, you know, and that because you just put your head down and grind, like that's just what I did. And then just turned it and it just worked out. Um, so I made that, I made that deposit and we were able, made, able to move. So I moved my shop and then now we had two working bathrooms and these <laughs> are like, you like the Ritz Carlton now, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. We had running water and actual, you know, paved parking. <laughs> so how many employees do you have now? Uh, right now? Yeah. I have six. Okay. But you had more at one point. You just had to call the herd, as they say, and get yeah. some quality yeah. people. And so that's, I mean, it, from a, from a business from business point, I mean, it's that that strategy that I just said almost made me lose my company. That put your head down and grind, kind of like blind faith, only worked for so long. I did that, and I had it was up to fourteen employees, and it was just too much. I mean, I had so many people tell me, don't grow too fast. Well, like, yes and no. Yes and no. Like, they don't They don't know because they, they don't, these aren't business people. They're just passing they along it. what they hear. Don't take advice from people you don't want to be like. Yeah. I heard. <laughs> and so I was just trying to figure that out. And it's just so many mistakes were happening at this point. Super delayed. But like the work, the the market's booming. Like it's just always calls and just everything that I did once, I just invested that quadruple. Like if Facebook was working, I spent more money on Facebook. If Google was working, spent more money on Google. If it's them, smart, you do it, you do it works. You, right, and I, but I didn't. It's never not. I mean, if I want, if if X amount of dollars got me this, X more amount of dollars would get me that. And it's just the more I invested into it, the more of my return. But at that point, and that's right when the you know pandemic happened, uh, started just employees calling in, you know, fourteen of them. Oh, I'm sick. I have to take two weeks off or this. I mean, and and and, and it's fine. Like it's you know it's something. But maybe some of them may be milking the whole situation. Like, yeah, oh, I can't. Yeah, and, can't come in. You know, even trying to f- replace a bunch of them because. It's just I couldn't get anyone to work because they'd make more money on unemployment. Yeah. So that year, last year, was really, really hard for employees. Like sales was odd, but it, it was the employees that almost drove me down. And so I fired a bunch other ones because of doing that. They quit, which is was a good riddance for me. Um and so I was down to just four, four employees. One of them was my brother. He's helping me with sales, and I have a drafter, and then uh, a shop manager, and then he brought his son on. So <laughs> I didn't have anyone to answer the phone for me. And we we then my business has grown really really fast. So from when the story, you know, going back like that's that was the first two years, and then I moved into this other shop. That's three years. My third year, I made um, in revenue a million forty. So from the high school druggie 
and do and then doing a welding job on a tiny little apartment railing to a million plus dollars and then tell me about your I know about your big project your big big project the, the one down in Vegas oh yeah so, so from, from your little railing on an apartment to what tell us tell everybody what you your, that big deal that was a big deal yeah that was that was that was a, that was an awesome project so um, I got um, introduced to a guy um, who was who worked for a, a, a big industrial company and I just got a phone call one day it's just like hey man you do ornamental iron right and I was just like yeah he goes I might have a job for you he goes okay what is it he goes we need someone to read we need someone to modify the the railings at the Hoover Dam I was like all right I'm down like let's see some photos let's see some pictures what's the idea and we battled this thing for like eight months like just going on I thought there's no way the biggest job I got at this point was probably maybe 20,000 25,000 and like these numbers were over 70,000 that I was looking at for just how for much modification modification yeah and I was like there's there's no way I'm gonna get this job like it's just whatever and then one day I got got the email they said okay here's your contract it's approved. You have 45 days to complete it. Like, Whoop. <laughs> going to Vegas. <laughs> going to Vegas. So, yeah, the, the ulti- their ultimate goal was to not, I mean, we they had to keep, because it's a ho- historical uh, landmark. landmark, they have to keep it the same, as close as possible. So we designed a way to make the railing go from 36 inches to 48 inches and keeping that same design. So bringing it up to code, but keeping the same authentic look. Yeah, which That's is correct. It. Which is funny because OSHA, the the government doesn't have to follow OSHA. So I don't know why they wanted to bring it to code. They just because OSHA is the government. Yeah, yeah, like they just whatever. But I mean, it was it was it was really fun to go down there a couple times, meet those guys, go on the tour, and and then we were able to um, successfully complete the job. And the the hardest part about it was. There were there was no tolerance, like there was no leniency, like it was their way, and there wasn't a highway. It was their way, like you're <laughs> yeah. you're gonna do it, and they wanted they were they were they were not going to stop the day tours, so we had to work nights, and uh, the the thing with the nights is that we had to we had to obviously when we took the railing down we had to tie off so there's a bunch of rigging the way that we did that all the tools so when we were working it had to be put back before the end of the shift all back together so like no like nothing happened on my it was just like hard because it's such a long railing it's like a hundred and i think it's 140 44 feet on each side on the nevada and arizona side there was uh, they're identical they're just screen differently if you go on the tour you're only going to be on the nevada side um but yeah i mean it's it was definitely an experience is that your biggest job no but the probably is that is that a signature job or something or is that just is that kind of pale in comparison now to some of the other things you're doing for people um it it it, it is something that is always going to be like 
a good thing to have experience for. Like you can't like how can you not say like you've worked in the Hoover Dam? You know, like it's you know government contract like etc. Like it's just you're doing something right if they're gonna let you <laughs> come touch their stuff. And um, it's just like the other day we were uh, just got a bid. Um, Stefan, he went up and did a, a, a bid at, at Deer Valley at one of their ski ski lodges, and they're doing this huge remodel. Came back, we bought, we you know priced it out. It was a hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars that we bid, and we're just like, okay, again, we don't know like how we're gonna get this job. We call him back a week leak wait a week later, and he goes, okay, well you were highly referred, you know. Uh, but we're kind of concerned that, you know, you guys might not be able to handle this, this much work. All Stefan does, dude, we've worked at the Hoover Dam. He goes, okay, well, Tuesday's our next meeting, so come on. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we have that coming up. Nice. But, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it, it was a, a really good experience. And, and it was fun thinking about it, but it was hard because it was so demanding in a time like we were we completed in three weeks but it was a lot of hours like because we still had a lot of jobs lined up before because like i said they randomly just was oh you have 45 days to complete this and we still had a lot of prep work to do um to do it so we were we got to the point where we were trying to work and do all these other projects and then leading up to the day that we committed to show up for our first night shift we worked 22 hours straight in the shop, getting everything prepped ready, and then we drove down to Vegas. I had one of I had one of my employees sleeping in the parking lot while we were working, finishing everything, so he could drive us down there. We drove down there, took a three-hour nap, and then worked 12-hour shift. Wow. We drank a lot of Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> but well, you come a long way. Yeah, that's that's that's. that's that's quite a story and but I the pattern I see is you had that determination even when you were in the drug days yeah that's kind of always been there with you hasn't it yes I I think it has it just was kind of used I mean because I mean that's the that's the other thing is you always I'd always look back and be like how did I ever afford this but if I ever if I wanted something and that and in school really helped me realize that if I want something like me personally I figured out like I can do it I can do it the question is not I can't afford it is how can I afford it yeah is a better mentality and I I literally just put my mind to something and I just work hard hard at it you know until I get it like there's not I can't like I don't and everyone's just like well isn't it stressful like of course it's stressful yeah of course but i don't i don't look at it like that i'm not i don't ever go home to that beautiful girl you know that i met in spanish fork now who's now, now your wife now my wife very good and i don't come home to her and be like oh i'm so stressed like yeah it's overwhelming i don't i don't like the word stress i feel like it's just a mindset of of the way that it's portrayed is just like admitting like it's too much and i asked for this like I asked for a lot of pressure. I asked for the stress. Well, stress is always, well, more often than not, it's looked at as a negative on your life. Right. 
But you think about, you know, to use the cliche example of weightlifting or working out, that's stress. Right. That does good for you. Mm -hmm. Resistance and stress. Yeah. It's okay. It it makes you, it makes you change things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Because it's not comfortable. That's right. And, and from that quote, it was just, you know, about vulnerability. Um, what is the quote again? Okay, so, so this quote that I keep talking about is from Theodore Roosevelt. It's called The Man in the Arena. Oh, dude, <laughs> I didn't know that was it. I have it on my wall right behind you on the far. That is the best. Yeah, that's it right it's there. It's like, get in there. Go ahead and you want to read it. It's, it's yeah. good. It's so good. I love that quote. He said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who's but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end of in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who the and who the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither no victory nor defeat. Dude, we could wrap it up right there. That is the best <laughs> quote just because it's like, and Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, you say, mm-hmm. one of his quotes is like, just try shit. Right. Just try stuff. Don't worry about what anybody thinks or if it's going to be perfect. Just try stuff. I mean, that's, uh, that, that is the best because it's like, you'll never know unless you do it. Right. Unless you try it. And people around you are going to, you know, like the, the people you're at when you were working at that place and they're making fun of you for going to school and trying to better yourself. Right. So what? Look what you did. Mm-hmm. You're, you've now bettered yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's... Yeah, I've actually called those guys probably about 30 times each. They won't work for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've tried to hire them, but no. But that's awesome. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that like you want to tell people about this journey that you've been on i just feel like it's 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 just really important um to just do what you to just do what you love like and to not ever submit and be controlled by things like for me specifically like i said i mean like we talked like it was was drugs um, but if if it's a bad job, if it's if you don't like something, change it. You like have the power if, to change. Like you have the power to change it. And if you just, you know, and then this is the quote: you just gotta make that jump. You gotta burn the boats. Like you just have to make it happen. You you can literally just go out and grab anything that you want. It will not be easy. It's not it's easy. Not supposed to be. Yeah. If it's easy, everyone would do it, as they say. It's just like I saw that meme the other day. It's just like, it's like something with Elon Musk. It's just he's just like. It's hard being broke. It's hard being rich. Pitch, pick what hard you pick want. Pick which hard you want. You know, I mean, it is. It's seriously, it was hard doing drugs, but it's also hard being a business. But 
it's it's just so much more satisfying and, and you know there's well, a lot you've got a lot more zeros on the end of your heart yeah there is <laughs> and that's i'll take that any day yeah so you you just gotta heart is okay it it, it makes us better yeah we don't want to be soft right yeah yeah and the and you know other things is just you know going through this kind of you know journey i've learned that you you ha- i had to humble myself like a lot like i had to i mean when i started the company like if you could imagine the place i was in with depression and like i didn't even like myself so how am i going to show up at someone's house and ask them for money like i i don't even like me like how am i supposed i literally hid behind my company and there's and i still do like i like i'm just not you know i i always put that in front like that's just i really you know but you just have to, to humble yourself and just sometimes have to take the licks and just put it in and drive. I got guys on social media on Instagram. They have a lot of followers from other fab shops and they always ask for advice. And that's just always it. Just never give up. If you don't like something, obviously change it, you know, but giving up's not the answer. Completely quitting is not the answer. Changing, adapting and evolving you know, is, is part of the journey or quitting the wrong things is okay. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Make you make your, make your path. It's up to you. Yeah. Perfect, man. That's okay. an awesome story. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing it. That's uh it's quite a story. Yeah, no problem. I and appreciate I, this. You know, I appreciate you sharing it. That's uh, you know, it's being vulnerable again, sharing. Not many people like to highlight their failings and flaws, but right. It makes us all real. Absolutely. That's the common the common denominator. So so thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at Brian slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Paris the Thought Show.